0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to uh, week three of a journey we are taking together called United. I want to welcome all of our first time guests under Alex just did that. But uh, my name is Pastor Chris. I'm the campus pastor here. If I had not had an opportunity to meet you uh, this morning. I look forward to meeting you after service, and again, I'm so honored and grateful that you're here today, and for some, if this is your first time, then you're going, what am I a part of? What is united? This study in the book of Ephesians, and uh, this is something that we do often together through seasons uh, of the year as a church family, and it really is a journey together because uh, it's us all taking steps together. And what we're doing is our heart is to be able to uh, help provide you resources for you to uh, begin to discover the word of God in a very real and tangible way. But not just independently, but understanding that you can do that together. Kind of some of the language that you hear us use, and you've heard us maybe a couple of times say this, is that, look, grab a guide, get in a group. We worked really hard on this guide. The team did an amazing job. Putting this guide together, there's still some out. If you would like to grab one, you go, well, uh, is it too late? You're in week three. It's not too late. Grab a guide. We have them for you. Get in a group. You go, well, what group? Well, if you do it with your spouse, okay? Do it with your spouse. You're in a group, okay? Find a coworker. Do it during lunch. Get a roommate, whoever it might be. The only way it wouldn't work for you to be in a group if it's just you by yourself. Well, that's not a group. You can't say me, myself, and I, all right? But you can still grab a guide, and we'd love for you to journey through this together. We found this resource has been very helpful because what we're doing is we're actually taking the book of Ephesians. We're reading it chapter by chapter. And each chapter is actually broken down in segments, so you have kind of this reading plan day by day. Why? Because we understand the importance and the power of what it looks like to take steps together and discover together what it looks like to take God's Word and apply it to our life. So make sure that you grab one of those on your way out. Last week, we uh, well, in week one, in chapter one, we talked about what it looks like to be known by God. That you can know God and that he wants to know you. He's not just this, this person, this this thought, this energy up in the uh, atmosphere. He's not this uh, uh, just old looking man with a bony finger ready to like shoot you with lightning if you make a mistake. He's a very real God. In fact, Paul uses the language family and father, heavenly father. He's just loving heavenly father that wants to have a relationship with you and you can know God. And you can be known by God. And that's what Paul was talking about in chapter 1. Last week, we talked about what it looks like to be strengthened by God. That you're not just saved, but you're seated with Jesus in heavenly realms. That there's this power, this strength, this authority that you have access to that you can walk in. This authority that you have that you may not even realize that you have access to. And today we're going to talk about something I get real passionate about, uh, I get dialed up about, and it's what it looks like to be connected. And, And we're going to look at the words of Paul and what he's saying and how that applies to us. So open up your Bibles. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. We're going to get there in just a minute. But you know what's interesting is when you hear a word, oftentimes what you think of, the first thing you think of when you, th- when you hear a word is dictated by the season of life you're in. So the season of life I'm in, I've got a 10-year-old, I've got a 7-about-to-be-8-year-old, and I've got a 6-year-old. So when I heard the word, when I hear the word connected, the thing I think of is connect the dots. Anyone a real into Connect the Dots? You know, you're like, no, I haven't done Connect the Dots in a long time. Not into Connect the Dots. Okay, if you got kids in school, you're into Connect the Dots. You think about Connect the Dots. When I showed my kids Connect the Dots, they're like, dad, I know what that is. I've done that before. And sometimes, life, what I want to do today is take what Paul writes in Ephesians 3 and really connect the dots for you. I want to help just kind of create a picture of what it looks like To take God's word and what he's saying here in Ephesians and apply it to our life. But sometimes this is what life can look like when it comes to connect the dots. It can look like this. There are so many dots. You ever felt that way? It's like, what dot do I, thank goodness they're numbered. Where do I start? But even then, I need glasses. They're too small. I don't know where to start. This is in the hundreds. What do I do? Where do I start? How come? What if it it goes? And so here's what we wish that it kind of looked like. We wish it kind of looked more like this. A little easier. You can, you can probably figure out what that is, can't you? It's a do- and that's what we want life to look like. Can it be real obvious to us and it's real simple to connect the dots? What I want to do is kind of break it down. That's why we do this. That's why we do a series like United. That's why we give you the guide because here's now what we're going to do. Let's go back to the first picture. This is what life can feel like. But now that I showed you the picture of a dog, any of you see it now? It's a dog. You see, what happens is when you see a little more of a clear picture of what it should look like, it's a little easier to connect the dots because now you have an understanding. Rather than it being a bunch of dots and numbers, you're going, what is that? But then it comes your relationship with God, and you think about, man, how do I connect connect the dots there? What does it look like? Uh, There's so many times where I love it. There have been people, and we've talked even this past week, about people that have given their life to the Lord at our 101 Next Steps class. People that have given their life to the Lord on a Sunday. And they're going, what do I do? How do I take this word? And how do I make it real? Like, I don't understand it. I legitimately had a gentleman. I gave him a Bible. I gave him a closer book from our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff. And he said, well, this book helped me understand how to read this book. He had no context, nowhere to begin. And that's where some of us are. And truth is, sometimes we're afraid to admit that. And that's why we do things like United. That's why we create the guide to make it real simple for you to understand. Because sometimes we get so overwhelmed in our relationship with Jesus. Are we doing it right? Are we saying the right thing? Are we doing the right thing? That we feel like when we're trying to connect the dots in our relationship with Jesus that it looks like this right here? Talk about a connect the dots fail, right? You're like, is it a cross? Is it not a cross? I mean, they they made a mistake. They put more than one number one on there, and I don't know what's happening. And you can feel like, am I? It's not about doing the right or wrong thing. It's not about a bunch of religious activity. It's not about checking the box and going, oh, I did it right. It's about understanding there's a very real God who wants to know you that you can know, that wants to empower and strengthen you. That you're not just saved, but you're seated with him in heavenly realms. And that he wants you to be connected in a greater way than you are currently. That, that's really what we're diving into. That's what we're talking about. And as we've looked at these things, and you're going, okay, connection, why is that important? You see, the, 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 the premise is this, is that what you have to understand is what you're connected to will dictate what you become. You see, where and how you're connected it will influence you. It will impact you. It will shape you. It impacts your habits. It impacts the way you think. And what you're connected to will impact who you end up becoming. The Bible talks about that all the time. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said, some of you know this, you may not even know new scripture. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs, Proverbs says it. Those who walk with the wise will become wise. So it's not just a negative thing. It's a who are you surrounding? Who are you connected with? Maybe you're going, well, you don't know what I've experienced in life. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know the things that I've experienced. And so now you're connected to this, uh, the, the past. Anytime you bring the past into the future, you're going to experience difficulty at a greater level in a higher way. And so if, if you're, you keep bringing the past in, you keep bringing the past in. Well, Paul says in Philippians 3, forget what's behind, strain towards what's ahead, strain towards what's in front of you, move forward, move towards what God has for you. So the Bible talks about it all the time. The Bible emphasizes it's important to understand what you are connected to and how it impacts your life. Paul is given these principles and he's given this, why did we even call this united? Because all through Ephesians, there's this overarching premise that there's this this uniting and this unity that that, that he wants to bring. Because what we're united to, what we're connected to will impact us. So there's these promises like like unity. There's these promises of, of being in Christ, that you're a new creation in Christ, but you're not just in Christ, you're also included in Christ. And as you are, you can know him in a better way. And as I said, last week we talked about that you're also then seated. So here are these promises that Paul's giving in the book of Ephesians. And then he dives in to verse three and, or chapter 3. And in chapter 3, he kind of turns the corner a little bit. He, he's kind of rounding the corner. He's going to start bringing in a different element, a different aspect of what he's wanting you to get in this Book of the Bible this letter that he's written. Now remember, this letter was written to the city of Ephesus. There's a port city, influential city. There's a young church. It's thriving. It's a good church, but there's also a lot of division. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of fractures, and there's friction, and you have one group of people, the Jews, and this other group of people, the Gentiles, which is essentially anyone and everyone who is not a Jew, and what begins to happen is there's this fracture that's happening, and there's this confrontation, but what happens is God is now beginning to bring reconciliation, and he's working, and he's moving. And so we pick up in chapter 3 and verse 14, and watch what Paul says here, and I want you to understand the language. Anytime you read, for this reason, look how he starts out in verse 14, for this reason. Okay, so there's a purpose here. There's a purpose and a premise that he wants you to get. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Every family. So here's this language. Heavenly Father, family. There's this aspect that he's saying there is a name that you derive. No longer do you derive your name from your past. I want you to get this. I've said it the last couple of weeks. You are not a clean version of your dirty old self. You're a new creation. You now derive your name from the newness that you have in having surrendered your life to Jesus and having been made new. That's what Paul's talking about here. Now he starts rounding the corner. He says, but I pray that out of this glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So he's praying. He's believing for this rooting and establishing to happen. Why? That you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. And to know this love that surpasses the knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So much there in verse 17 through 19. He's saying there's this rooting, this establishing that I want you to gain. I want you to get. There's this foundation I'm wanting to build in your life. But there's this language that he uses. There's a lot of we, a lot of us, a lot of together. That goes against the culture that we live in this is, that's centered around me, I, my platform, what I look like, how people perceive me, what I'm trying to create, the image that I have. No, no, no. There is we. We us together, there's this strengthening that happens, that's what Paul talked about in chapter one and two, internally for a reason and a purpose, because it then leads to a strengthening that happens when we come together, that when a group of people come together unified around a goal and a vision, something powerful happens, in fact, not only does it happen corporately, what he's talking about is it happens individually as well. For that impact to happen on a personal level, there's something that happens when we come together. He's saying, listen, there is this knowledge that surpasses. You can actually know the love of Jesus in a way that surpasses your earthly finite knowledge. And you can experience the fullness of who God says you are and the fullness of a relationship in him. And then he ends with this verse, verse 20. Many of us may know this verse. You may not have known that you knew this verse. Maybe you've quoted this verse. But we turn to this verse a lot. We turn to this verse when we're having trouble with our family, trouble with our kids, trouble in our job, trouble in our, our relationships, whatever it may be. And it says this, Paul writes and says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. One translation says, ask, think or imagine according to his power that is, work, that is at work within us. So you're reading and you read all of this. Man, I want to be rooted. I want to be established. I want to have the fullness and know the fullness of God's love. I want to come together. I want to experience that we, us, togetherness. I want to, to see and experience The God who is able to do immeasurably more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine in my life. I want that. I want. Sign me up. Anybody going, sign me up? Yeah. You're going, sign me up. I want that. This is the what. But I want to go back to verse 10 and 11 because it's also about the how. You see, sometimes we miss God's distribution model, there's a distribution model that He has. Some of you have kids. I'm going to give you an example. In, in my neighborhood, all of a sudden, you start hearing this loud noise over this speaker driving through the neighborhood. And there's this creepy van that comes around the corner. And what do your kids say? They say, it's who? It's the ice cream man. And you're going, no, no, no. We ain't going to that creepy van. No offense to anyone who's an ice cream man or woman in here. Ice cream person, you know if you got a creepy van, bump it up, you know, take a note from Kona Ice. I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, you want to know why? Because the ice cream man figured out the distribution model. We're going to come around. You're going to hear this noise. And kids from all over, from a five block radius, they could be in the backyard. They hear that and they go, Mom, Dad, push pops. We miss out on the distribution model sometimes that God has for us. And here's what he says in verse 10. His intent was that now. So there's intentionality in what God's doing. Through the church. Through the church. So there's all the what. Rooted, established, love, fullness, exceedingly abundantly. More we could ever ask, think, or imagine. What's the how? Through the church that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he established in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's intentionality and there is purpose. That's what he's getting at. Here's the how. Here's the way in which he wants you to experience those things. It's through the church. Now this word manifold wisdom. Manifold. That's not a word we always use often. Manifold means multifaceted. There's this diversity and multifaceted aspect of what he wants to do. The best way to describe that is like a rainbow. And, and when, you, when you see a rainbow, oftentimes if you're a little kid or you have kids, they draw a rainbow. It's a clear line and it's, they color it in. Whatever the colors are, it's bold, right? It's red, it's orange, it's yellow, it's blue, it's green. Real clear line, but you can't really draw a rainbow, Because here's really what a rainbow is. A rainbow is actually light coming through a prism. And when it comes through this prism, you have this multifaceted, diverse nature of light. All different colors. All different, more than you could ever even think of. And you have this rainbow that symbolizes God's promise. And so what Paul is writing is this. He's saying this multifaceted aspect of who God is, the multifaceted wisdom of God, this diversity, the things that are hard to understand, the things that are difficult, the things that he has for you, all of this stuff, it is, there is a distribution model that he wants to use to make it known to you, and it's through the church, through the church. Now, I get it. I know what you're saying, though. I know what you're thinking. Well, of course you're going to say through the church, Pastor Chris. You're a pastor. If you were saying, if the Bible said it was was through the ice cream man, you'd say, hey, it's the ice cream truck. Of course you're saying through the, no, 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 no. I want you to understand something. This word, this truth, it's like any of us in here that have ever experienced something great or you have someone that has experienced something great, what do they do? They tell you about it. Think about it. Think about the people in your life. You got to get this lotion. You need to get this makeup. This stuff will make your eyelashes grow. You, whoo, I mean, you got hair it'll come back. You thought it was all over. The Lord made a way. Boom. You got to get this, this vacation place, that vacation place. Go here. Go there. Do that. Anything that's amazing and great, what do you do? Someone's telling you about it. They're trying to convince you about it. You're going, do I believe it? Do I not? Well, can I tell you? All those things. Hey, get the hair stuff. Grow the eyelashes. Get the makeup. Do the lotion. Go on vacation. All of it. Yes. Yes, yes, but the only thing that's going to make an eternal difference in you is this right here, a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. Period. So why would I not tell you? Because that's what this word says. That the multifaceted aspect of who God is, is made known to you through the church. But here's the challenge. When you think of church, we all have a different context that we think of. For some of you, church was something you had to endure. You know what I'm talking about? I, I remember growing up, I had to endure that. They didn't have kids' church. They didn't get these Bucky Bucks and it's like Disney World back there, and they, they leave in here with slinkies and slime and Legos, okay? We didn't have that when I went to church. Church, I went to, they were like hard pews, and you had to be real quiet, and you listened to the message with your parents, and if you were rowdy and kind of loud, they put you in a room on the side that had glass windows off through it. It was called like the cry room, and you just kind of sat in there, and you could be rowdy, but i tell you what, I had a little, little Hispanic mama. I could be sitting on the end of my other brother's. I don't know how. She was only about this tall, and I promise her arms are only about that long, but boy, she could reach around and grab that ear like nobody's been. She's like Gumby. Boom, she twists that ear. Anybody got your ear twisting? You get the Holy, you, you get the Holy Spirit, you get your ear twisted. Pooh, I receive it, Lord. All right. I mean, it's like. I mean, she'll get you. So church was like something you had to endure. Or maybe church, maybe church is something that has a painful connotation for you. You experience pain in church. And walking with people and being a pastor and in ministry for over 21 years. The two types of pain I tend to walk most people through is family hurt and church hurt, unfortunately. There's, there's pain that comes along with it. And we, yeah, we, we come together and we are the church. But what happens is sometimes, unfortunately, we does cause hurt. But we, as the church, can also be a distribution model to bring healing. You don't have to be defined. It doesn't have to. Your, your understanding of church doesn't have to be defined by your previous experience. God has something new and different, but but we all experience those things, and they impact who we are, and they impact how we view things. Well, maybe you're going, okay, all right, Pastor Chris, I hear you. Of course, you're going to talk about church, or maybe you're going, well, are you talking about your church? It's your church. Well, first off, it ain't my church. This is a campus, first off, so Pastor Jeff is the lead pastor. This is McKinney campus. This is milestone McKinney, so it ain't mine. But if you ever talk to Pastor Jeff, he'll tell you the same thing. Milestone isn't his. This is Jesus' church. Not my church. Not my campus. This belongs to Jesus. I'm just privileged enough to steward it and serve you, the church. And I'm grateful that we get to do it. But it ain't mine. See, because for us, as Milestone, we're part of the Capital C Church. We are all part of the church. We. This is corporate this is the cal- and listen every te- you everyone needs to be on a team everyone needs to be on a team and this is about you being a part of something greater than yourself. I say it in 101. I say it in 301. Some of you may go, well, that sounds counter, like counterproductive to go, man, if this is in your church, then go to a different church. Why? Because we believe God joins you to a church, and we want you to be joined. We want you to be joined. If not here, then be joined somewhere and be part of a biblical church, not, not, not a church that's like the church at the golf course, the church at the lake, the church at the camp. Nothing wrong. I like to, hey, I don't really like to golf, but I mean, I'll go with you if you want, but I like to hunt, I like to go to the lake, I like to do all those things, I'm talking about when it's like, well, just me and Jesus on the lake, you know, man, God, Pastor Chris, are you you preaching against going to the lake? No, I'm talking about you being connected in a greater way than you are, I'm talking about you being a part of something where there's a measure of accountability, right, where you're connected and you're contributing and you can be counted on and you can be trusted to be a part of advancing the kingdom mission of reaching people and building lives, which is just a context of the Great Commission, that you can be a part of that. And so if not here, then be a part of it somewhere. Why? Because that's what his word says. Because until you are, you won't experience the manifold wisdom. You won't experience exceedingly, abundantly more. You won't experience rooted and established, but that's what God has for you, and that's what he wants for you. And listen, we, I believe, I text a guy today, he's in, or yesterday, he's in, in our community planting a campus. I texted. him, I said, I'm believing for you. I'm praying for you. God's going to do amazing, amazing things. I'm praying you send him in. God will send him from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Because at Milestone, we believe in the, we invest. Pastor Jeff has always done that. We invest in other churches. We, in, we plant churches, other campuses. We resource. There are times where there are other churches that are using this right here, this book, And these messages, they use them at their own church. Why? Because we want to research. We're all about let's move the ball down the field and see people saved and transformed. So it's not about your church, my church. And the other thing it's not about, you may go, well, church, do you mean like the building, you know? No, no, the church is not the building. It's the people. We're grateful for the building. I'm grateful for this building. Now there's many things about this building about this building I change. I mean, I'm just being transparent.'re like, does he see that? Trust me? I see it, but can I tell you we're not going to be in this building forever. You know why? we're going to move one day. Why? Just to move? No, because we want to make room for more people because the church is about people. And so we're, we're going to keep advancing, and I'm grateful for buildings, but it's not about the building. The building is just simply a place where people can come and experience the presence of Jesus, and that impacts and transforms their life. And then when they're unified, having experienced the presence of Jesus, unified around a common goal, then what begins to happen is things begin, amazing things begin to transpire. So it's not about the building. It's about the people. We're about the people, How about you. So what happens? What, what do you? What do you gain? What are you connected to when you're connected to the church? Well, you, you really. The first thing is this. It's real simple. You really get connected to God's intentional plan. What did He say? He said, "This was the intent from the beginning." This is the intentional plan. God has a very intentional plan. There's a way in which He wants to work and move in our hearts, in our lives, and in our families. I'm going to give you, I'm going to help paint a picture of His intentionality just real quickly through the history. The history of, of God's Word. We go all the way back to the garden. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're there, the Trinity. They're not just simply hanging out in community. They are there unified in a relationship, connected in a relationship far greater than we could ever even understand. And then he says, then God says, the word says that God then created the heavens and the earth, right? And in doing so, then he created man. And he saw man, and it was good. But then he recognized something wasn't good. He said, that brother's all alone. And how many of you in here, men, you know it ain't good to be alone. All the single brothers in here are like, yeah, it ain't good to be alone. Anybody, you know, anybody, anybody? You know, it's not good to be alone. So what did he do? He made a helpmate for Adam. And then Adam and Eve are there and and sin comes into the world and a choice that they made. And now there's a separation and they're in the garden. They recognize they're naked. What do they do? They try and cover up. They try and cover up all their mistakes. They try and think, well, if I can cover up and keep what's being seen, then all of a sudden I'll be able to like, you know, God won't really know. And I love how God showed up on the scene. God didn't show up and say, what did you do? If you go back and read the story Of the fallen man in the garden in Genesis. He didn't show up and go, what would you do? He said, where are you? Because that's what God does in our lives. You just might make a mistake. And what he's saying is, where are you? Why? Because he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. Well, they have some children, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel. So now we have murder on the scene, right? And then Cain goes and it's said that he goes and builds a city. It's thought that city was the city of Babel. And this city is a place where there's all these different languages trying to come together to try and find their own way to getting towards God. And so there's this separation in this fracture. But Jesus comes into the picture because God's heart is always restoration. God's heart is always to bring people back together. And then what begins to happen is this. I love that Jesus is not just this distant, far God. He came and He understood. He related. He connected to us. And probably the way to capture that, the most simple way is probably in the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, 35. And it says this, Jesus wept. Why did He weep? Well, His friend Lazarus had died And Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, were weeping. They were heartbroken. And it says that Jesus wept because he connected with them. He was relation connected with them, invested in them. He understood what they were walking through. He felt where they were at. He was there. So Jesus understands. He's not distant, and he's not far. And then he goes and dies on the cross for our sins. And just before that, he has a conversation with his disciples. And he tells one of them, he says, on this rock, I will build my church. It's the only thing he said he would build. He didn't say he was building anything else. He said he was building his church. And then he dies on the cross for our sins. He rises again. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And the church begins to advance. And you look. And now you have this moment in the the book of Acts, in the early part of Acts, where the, the day of Pentecost comes. And Pentecost is an example of God bringing redemption. It really is a picture of redemption of what happened in the garden. And you can go and you can read. You can read in Acts 2 starting in verse 9. It says that there are people from all different lands, all different countries, all different backgrounds, speaking all different languages. Here's people from Libya. There was people from from Africa. There were Jews there. It says there were Arabs there. All there gathered in that one moment on that day. And in that moment when there's all this diversity, yes, diversity is good, but it was really division as well. What does he do? He brings them together, unified under one language, the language of heaven. And so he brings them together, and he brings this unification process. Why? Because there is this intent that he has. There's a heart that he has. And you go, well, well, moving towards the future, what what does that then look like in the future? Well, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God. You see, that's what heaven should look like. All of it coming together unified and brought together. You see, one of the things I love about you and, and I try to do this as well, but our culture is very intentional. We, we like to intentionally put time and energy into our, into our calendar, into the things that we do. And there's two types of people in here. One is those that are really good at the calendar. Your real intention, you got it dialed in and you got it all, you got paper, you got your phone. And then there's people that think they are, but they're not. They're just kind of all over the place, okay? I'm, I'm quickly realizing that's who I am. Okay, so in the last like week and a half to two weeks, I now have, there's people that are like, they're scheduling where I need to go. Like I I just look at my phone, it's like, ding, be here at this time. Like it's like, I don't, I'm not sure where I need to be, when I need to be, they're just helping me get to where I need to be, right? They're helping me show up when I need to show up, why? Because it helps the team and it helps the people that I'm meeting with so that I'm actually there when I need to be there, but it also helps me. You see, because we want to be real intentional and we try and get real intentional about being there and being a part because we don't want to miss out. We have that FOMO, right? That fear of missing out. But what would happen if you got real intentional about what God's plan is? What if you got real intentional about His agenda? What if you got on His calendar? We spend so much time trying to organize all the things that we want to do and none of that is bad in and of itself. But what if we got real intentional? about getting on his agenda and making the things that are priority to him, priority to us. Because when we do, that's the second thing that we begin to experience and get connected to in the church, and it's these vital relationships that he has for us. You see, we're real dialed into our calendar within our culture. Here's the other thing we're real dialed into, health. And if you're, if you're you know, a little bit wiser, wiser generation, a little bit older, the older you get, you get more dialed into it, right? You get more dialed into your health and like, I need this and I need that, and I need these supplements, I need this, and I, well, I need to recover here, and I need you know you get in 1938, Harvard began the longest study ever conducted, longest study ever conducted, and this was the discovery that came out of that study, that the relationships, relationships, I say it, relationships that you have at 50 determine your physical health at 80. You see, we put so much time and energy into the things that actually aren't making the difference the way we want to. It's your relationships. It's not just nice, it's necessary, it's vital. It's vital. We say around here that your destiny is tied to your relationships, and so it's vital that you understand that, but we live in a culture that has, it has all of the, the digitalization and urbanization, the globalization, the mobilization that is all part of it. If you've ever been a part of any kind of marketing or branding, you understand all of those things. They're necessary, but they fight against the very thing that is most vital in our life and it's relationships. It's being relationally connected. We're more digitally connected today and more relationally disconnected. We are more concerned about our online, digital, social media platform and presence than we are about our actual interaction and personal relationships that are around us. I mean, the average is like, I think the average friends on like social media is like 374. So if you have more than that, like you're like a, Social media influence, just so you know. Way to go. It's like, why? But, but the truth is, how many of those 3,000, 3,300, or even 30 that you have, you actually have an intentional relationship with, and you're able to experience what it looks like to live in relationship together, to be connected and have depth. It's why we work so hard at what we do to serve you. That's why our serve teams work so hard to open the door. Not because we think you can't open your own door, but we want that experience to be something where you go, man, wow, this is so friendly. No, it's actually family. We're going to treat you like family. We're going to open the door for you. We're going to serve you. That's why we work so hard. It's why you hear us talk about it all the time. You probably get tired of it. 101, 201, 301, next steps, take the next steps, small group, be a part, be connected. Why? Why are we so intentional? Because we find, it's not about a program. It's about going, this is the way we want to create an avenue for you to be connected. Because when you are, you experience the manifold wisdom of God. That's what we want for you. That's why we work so hard about it. That's why we talk about it over and over and over and over and over again. Because we want you to experience this. But so many of us, we pursue anonymity. That we still we have a lot of families that are watching online. There was a couple in our small group this past week. Like she'll listen to my audio, but we stream online on Sundays, Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor from our Keller campus. So she's watching him, listening to me, and a part of our small group. And it, but what is she doing? She's making every effort because of the season that they're in. She can't be in this building. In fact, there's oftentimes her husband is actually here serving, and she's at home watching. Why? Because we understand that you're going to be in that season. That's fine. But we want you to come out of anonymity and develop relationship and be connected relationally because it's vital, and it impacts you in a way that you don't even really fully fathom but when you do you experience the manifold wisdom of God you can be connected and the truth is the relationships you're building today become the fabric to help you through the storms that you're going to walk through tomorrow it's vital it's vital it's vital so you, you get this you get to be connected to God's intentional plan you get connected to vital relationships but then you get connected to his supply you see there's a supply that he has for you. There there there's there's this access that you can have to the God that is able and, and we're going to talk about it later in the chapter. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare. Some of you know about spiritual warfare. You think about spiritual warfare. You're like, I, I kind of know a little bit about spiritual warfare. I kind of don't. What are you talking about? That kind of weirds me out, freaks me out. Some of you, you learn about spiritual warfare, and then you think it's all about saying the right thing to the devil. Okay, you don't. it's not about saying the right thing. It's about, and we're going to understand and we're going to unpack what that looks like to really pray and believe God for, for, for you to walk through what you're walking through and see God moving. Many of you in this season, you felt like, man, I feel like I'm under attack from the devil. God, everywhere I go, gosh, what do you, can I tell you something? You are, you are under attack. The devil is a very real person. He do not like you, he loved to spend eternity with you in hell. That's the truth. Heaven and hell are very real places and people really go there. That's the reality. So there is this spiritual warfare, and we need to pray, and we trust that God's walking through us, and the supply, oftentimes, the answer to your prayer, it comes in the people that he has you connected to. It it comes in the relationships that he has. There have been so many times in my life, I'm going, God, I'm praying for something, and the supply came through the connections and relationships that I had. You see, we live in a society, we think, if I just had another degree, if I had a, diff- a different job, if my boss wasn't crazy, if I had this, if I had that, if I, then I would be able to have the supply that I need to get to where I want to go and do what I need to do. No, the reality is this, is that it's going to come through the relationships that God puts around you. Jesus is the supply, but people have always been his distribution model. The church is his distribution model. That's the way he works. You see, I want, I want you to think about this. I want to ask you this question. Here's this question is ask yourself this. Am I connected? Am I connected? I want you to think about that. Not do I attend. Not do I just gain the things that I need and and, and do I just come and I, I just kind of take. No. Am I connected? See, I can think about a season in my life when we were moving back to Texas and and the way in which God supplied for Wendy and I and and my girls. We knew God had brought us back here and we, we were looking and searching for a place to live and we found an apartment. Well, that very same day, some of our closest friends, Tyron and Betsy, Pastor Tyron is our next-gen pastor, our executive pastor next-gen at our Keller campus, and Betsy leads worship, and we've known them for years. Betsy was picking up the kids, and she was driving back to her house, picking them up from the school, and she saw a house, and it said for rent, so she calls Wendy. We, had, we were in town visiting and trying to to land on a on a place to live, and we we're actually here for prepare for those services, and... Uh, She goes to get Wendy. She comes and and finds this house. And literally, this house is probably one street over from Tyron and Betsy. And as we were making the decision to move back to Texas, one of the things I was praying was, God, I pray that you would just supply. Supply for my... Not just Wendy and I. I know we'll be fine. You know, we want relationships. And we had relationships with a lot of people here. But my kids. Can I tell you what that supply looked like? Being just one street over. That supply looked like Tyron and Betsy, an answer to prayer for Wendy and I, but what it really looked like was Haley, Avery, and Jackson. They were like big sisters and a big brother to my little girls that were five, three, and two at the time. And it was a tremendous blessing. But that supply came because I was connected.